It's Friday afternoon again, which means another week has zoomed by and it's time for the Sourced Week in Review podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher. Joining me, Jordan McDonald. Welcome, Jordan. Hi, Michael. Now, it's February. It's hot, of course. We mentioned that last week. But there's been lots of viewing of cool events this week because it's Winter Olympics time once every four years. And we're watching those coming to us from Beijing. So the summer host of 2008 is the winter host 14 years later. Jordan, are you watching the Winter Olympics? I admit I have not actually flicked it on once yet. I've seen some highlights, but I haven't actually committed to uh, to turning it on at home, no. Well, okay. I must say I have. I do love the Olympics. I'm a bit of an Olympics junkie. I did cover the Beijing Olympics in 2008, mm-hmm. um, although that was much hotter than it looks now. That was a hot Olympics. Um, and every day we would walk into the main press centre past at least one Chinese army tank that was positioned out the front with a few soldiers who were armed walking around. So very well-behaved media group that I saw would there. Be, yeah. No one was. The threat of a tank would do that. Yeah, you generally see a tank and some soldiers mm. and you're in Beijing and you know that uh, yeah. you're not about to say anything stupid as you walk past. Yeah, of course. But I quite enjoyed the Winter Olympics uh this week I've enjoyed, like I did with Tokyo last year, being able to have the app on uh, the Channel 7, um, the app and then go between live events so I found really good rather than watch the main channel. Mm-hmm. I must prefer going through uh, those events. But are people watching? Am I one of, the, one of a few? You're not watching, I'm watching. What's it been like? What are the numbers like? Because this is an important time, as we talk about a lot, with what people do with free-to-air TV. We do talk about TV a lot on the podcast and particularly how sport is one of those factors that keeps bringing back people, people back to TV. And in uh, the case of Australia, we are interested in the Winter Olympics. So, And it certainly helps that the time zone is complementary for us. Oh, it's so good the time zone is, isn't it? We're seeing things live rather than having things at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, in which case I wouldn't be watching. Of course. So... I compared uh, the numbers on average each day that um, watched in 2018 compared to this year. So in 2018, we had an average of about 596,000 tuning in, uh, whereas now we have about 712,000 who are tuning in. And that's really... The, the, the app that Seven puts out now has really made, uh, made it a lot easier for people to want to tune in. Yep. They can pick what they want to watch... Uh, and just it's a very easy to use platform. People prefer to stream than just watch the live broadcast that just is on TV and it's sort of curated so for you. You're in charge. Exactly right. But the bigger problem is in the US. It's not as not as positive. So NBC has come out this week and they uh, said their games is uh, their viewership's on track to hit an historic low. Wow. So they, uh, they had 16 million tune in for the opening ceremony for starters and that was down 43% from the 23.8 million you tuned in for the previous Winter Games. Now you look at each day there at the Olympics and they have about 12.5 million tuning in each day which is down massively, almost half of the 23 million who were tuning in for the previous Winter Games. So there's lots of factors there and there's certainly... 
not a not a great thing considering the US market is where all the money is. Oh, that's right. Well, the US market's so important for Olympic Games. And let's face it, the Olympic Games, I don't care if it's summer or winter, they are one giant TV show. They are huge, yes. The Olympic Games deals in significant TV revenue and they are a made-for-TV show. I know they weren't originally. They were certainly something that was uh, revived in 1896 when there was no such thing as TV mm. or planes, but now they are a modern TV show. I'm fascinated by those numbers in the US because I think they are such a big indicator of, of what happens next in terms of Olympics. Um, one of the factors, I think, which has been common, and I've heard this on a few of the podcasts I listen to from the US, and that is there's just no big-name US athletes, with the exception of Michaela Schifrin, who is a skier, a downhill skier, thought to be a big medal chance in several events, okay. and she crashed out uh, in the first few seconds in her first two events. Okay. So the, the big-name US athlete has just hit the snow and she's been out. So I'm sure that hasn't helped them. It's also Super Bowl time in the US, we know, but, uh, but at the same time there's been no American football for nearly two weeks because there was no games last weekend. Mm. So it sort of fits in a time you think that might be something for them to watch. But I just wonder with that with the US and you know, I did see them win an event last night where they won the first ever team's aerial ski event beating China, who got the silver and um, the US there were overjoyed. I'm not sure who was watching at home. One of the really nice things about that, though, with the US beating China, China had one jump at the end to try and get a miraculous score to get the gold medal. Mm. They didn't. They got the silver. I'm sure they would have been gutted losing to the US on home uh, soil, but they all embraced after it, and I think that's the Olympics. The US and China, we know what's going on in the geopolitical sense at the moment, but there was sport, there was congratulations from gold to silver medalist. Hey, that's great, that's sport, love to see that. But it turns out that in Australia, there's at least one show that uh, people have preferred to watch to the Olympics this week. Yep, although we are tuning into the Olympics, it doesn't even matter because maths, uh, more people are watching maths this week (laughs) or have watched maths this week than tuned into the Olympics. So they actually got edged out. Very slightly, but it's still a victory to maths. So, ma- so married at first sight. Yeah, sorry you, for the lingo. I'm well, hey, maths this junkie. is all lingo. Yeah, and you've been watching maths? I have been watching maths. <laughs> I have. Guilty. <laughs> so, um, look, let's see what happens these next few days. But we know, too, the sport in Australia in February is just such a difficult time for... I mean, we're... There's a T20 cricket match on tonight, but it's it's the zone where people are waiting for uh, the winter seasons to start up. Mm-hmm. Uh, cricket has been missing for a couple of weeks because of a tournament against New Zealand that didn't go ahead. So um, interesting few weeks coming up to see what happens with that. And, of course, the Super Bowl Monday. I'll be really interested in the ratings for Super Bowl on Monday because I still think that American sport is making significant inroads in Australia, especially with younger generations. So let's look at that next week. Another big issue which we can't go past this week in the Week in Review, Jordan, is one to do with something lots of our listeners will know about. It's to do with podcasts, Spotify and Joe Rogan. Yeah, so this week Neil Young made the news. Well, Neil Young, Spotify and Joe Rogan made the news this week. So what happened is Neil Young put a letter to Spotify this week 
in protest of Joe Rogan's podcast. And he said that he wouldn't be associated with the streaming service if they continued to publish his episodes. Now, Neil Young believes that Joe Rogan's episodes, numerous episodes, is spouting all this misinformation. And Young's letter was actually inspired by an earlier letter which was signed by 270 scientists, doctors and health professionals who also alleged there are numerous inaccuracies in the episodes. Now, Spotify was sort of left to respond and in response they've sided with Joe Rogan and began progressively removing Neil Young's music as, his re- as per his request from the platform with the end of the response saying we hope to welcome him back soon. Now, in my opinion, I can't help but think that Neil Young's protests could yield any other result but this. Spotify is mega compared to Neil Young and a few smaller artists who have been together underneath Neil Young have also followed in solidarity. But Young, like most artists on Spotify, need that platform more than it needs them. And I think Spotify's commitment to Rogan having doubled down this week over the artists is a clear example that Spotify is maybe no longer considering themselves in the music business but yeah. maybe the audio yep. business. Of course. The, I mean, it started as you got Spotify to listen to music but now there's podcasts and there's more than what there was originally. Absolutely. Now, it, Spotify, when it started, was purely reliant on music for mm. for uh, its revenue. Uh, but then competing with Google Play and Apple Music, they needed to figure out different ways to raise their revenue, generate revenue. Mm. So they turned to podcasts and started mm. investing there. And that gives them some added uh, ad space, which is what they started using. Yeah. So, I mean, Spotify is, I think, betting on what, we used to be known, what used to be known as the music industry is in fact dead, but they can make money in that audio industry. So they paid Joe Rogan $100 million just for the licensing rights. Mm. He's not an employee of Spotify mm. um, and he, can, he has all the creative control mm. still, whereas the musicians who are on there are getting 0.003 per stream. Um, they need to be on Spotify. And I'm sure many more artists would have followed Neil off the platform yeah. if they felt like they could afford to and it wouldn't sever the connection with their fans. But, yeah. yeah, I think that's the situation. It's been a really interesting topic, this one, and I think it goes down to, as well, this whole debate about misinformation. So mm. when do you get to effectively censor things? Obviously, Neil Young and some of his uh, ilk were not happy with the information coming out and some of the Joe Rogan podcast, but... I guess John Stewart, the US uh, media identity, has come back with a different perspective on that on that debate about misinformation. Um, Stewart causing some angst among different people when he said, "Well, when the Iraq War came about nearly twenty years ago, and America went to Iraq on the basis that uh, Iraq was uh, in a possessing weapons of mass destruction." Mm. And Stuart came out in the last day or so and said, well, I was one of the people who openly um, questioned that at the time, whereas he named the New York Times and other big media who effectively got right behind the government in terms of that. 
Now, Stuart said, well, was I guilty then of misinformation at the time, was I, because I wasn't uh, agreeing with what was conventional thought? Right. Um, so Stuart's raised a good point there in the sense, now, this is not to go in the support of Joe Rogan as such, because obviously uh, that's a different um, one. You're comparing politicians' um, words there to scientists' words, and I'm not one to doubt scientists on these things when it's, uh, you know, they uh, they obviously have some very credible stuff. But it's a debate of misinformation. And as a former journalist, for me, I mean, the first thing you're taught as a as a journalist is to question everything. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're told in a newsroom the old line is if your mother tells you she loves you, check. You know, <laughs> check everything. And I guess so for me when it comes down to misinformation and people switching people off, there's a part of me that says, you know, look, I, I don't support some of the views that come across in the Rogan podcast. I don't. But there is a wider discussion here about misinformation and disinformation. Now, misinformation being when, you know, people are putting things out there that, you know, you know as opposed to disinformation where it's deliberately putting out information that's incorrect, deliberately. So there's a debate there. I think Spotify would have loved this week the publicity they got. Oh, for sure. It was everywhere. Absolutely. Um, and, and for Rogan too. He would have got people off that oh, for sure. Joe Rogan. Absolutely. That's the thing as well. When you start to do these and you you have these protests, there is a consequence and that is when the big names come in like Neil Young and others, I think Joni Mitchell, was Mm -hmm. uh, there was something involved there. There there is a counter thing that you give publicity to the people you dislike. And so for a lot of people who didn't know much about Jay Rogan, they're all of a sudden locked into that. So I think it's a really interesting uh, debate about a thing that we discuss in this podcast regularly and that is the way that different topics are framed in this era of uh, mass consumption and uh, strong opinions the power of the consumer yeah absolutely speaking of those uh, different channels and the ways to reach people these days tiktok we're going to talk about it again and this time we're going to talk about it because some news outlets are getting involved with tiktok yeah, so a nice little story came out this week that showed that a handful of news agencies in the US have grown massive audiences on TikTok. And it's sort of highlighting that the social media platform is increasingly becoming a source of news for the Gen Z group. So I know TikTok has done very little to court the news publishers, but for those publishers, they're recognising it's a massive brand awareness opportunity. So a good example from this handful of uh, news agencies is ABC News. So they recently hit one million followers on the app and found that their hard, just straightforward news worked really well rather than trying to piggyback off the goofy trends which TikTok is full of. Mm. Um, So these publishers are realising they can often win over the younger audiences with news content that overlaps with culture. Mm. So a balance of that hard, straightforward news with some behind-the-scenes interview moments, for example, or some behind-the-scenes of a TV show hosted on that same uh, broadcast network. So, for example, ABC's biggest TikTok is at 10 million views, and it's just a a clip of Biden discussing a potential federal vaccine mandate. Yeah, okay. Well, haven't we seen this story somewhere before in the sense of uh, media, uh, almost like I imagine uh, a travelling tent show just trying to <laughs> find a uh, a bit of uh, an oasis in the desert i mean i i 
you know, I'm not surprised at all that uh, media is trying to find out the ways to get engaged on TikTok. Go to where the audiences are mm-hmm. because that's the modern survival of, of mainstream media to try to go to where those audiences are because they're there. I guess the next step for media here is how do you make money out of it? So, yeah. and that's the most important thing when, you know, media has had this love-hate relationship with Facebook for so long because it knows there's people at Facebook, you know, th- th- there's there's millions or billions there across the world on Facebook, so you've got to be there. How do you make money out of it, though, as a media outlet? So I guess that's what the challenge will be for media. How do we make money out of these audiences? It's great to have big audiences, but in the end... Uh, we're not a charity. We need people That's to it. be able to pay and get revenue to us to do that. So um, good to see the media outlets there. I'll be more interested in what comes next in terms of uh, trying to get uh, pay for that. Now, this weekend coming up, I take it you're not going to watch the Winter Olympics? Is there uh, is there something else maybe you're watching? I'm off to early tomorrow for a couple of nights, so I don't think I'll be watching the Winter Olympics <laughs> all that much. Mind you, I haven't really started, but... <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I'll be yeah into the Olympics there, but uh, should be hoping for good weather over there and oh, uh, we'll fantastic. get around the islands a bit. It'll be a very nice day. Uh, look, for us who are staying back in uh, the boring uh, mix of life, um, <laughs> footy's back, the NRL All-Star game tomorrow night, which will be interesting to see what that audience is like. Mm-hmm. If, are people ready for that now? Um, that will be interesting. I'll keep watching uh, Winter Olympics as well. And um, also there's a bit of cricket tonight. So sports around and we might talk about those numbers uh, next week. Enjoy early. You'll be back here for the podcast next week. It will be post-Super Bowl too. Lots to talk about. It will be. Have a great weekend. You too.